to God. What a sweet presence of the Lord that is here this evening uh, for this revival. Excited to be with you. Excited to get into the word of the Lord. Why don't we open up our Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, if we could all stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Appreciate so much the leadership of this wonderful church. Bishop Wright and his family and Pastor Wright and his family and their apostolic leadership and kindness towards me and my family. This wonderful worship team, the singers. Brother McGurk, all the department leaders, I give honor to you. We've had such a great time of fellowship already. I flew in yesterday and uh, just refreshing to get to eat some good home-cooked food. I believe in that. Hey, man, there's something biblical about that. I, I'm still, still trying to figure all that out, but breaking the bread house to house I guess that's where it fits in I guess but uh, appreciate so much their kindness towards me going above and beyond with the hospitality uh, appreciate uh, their sensitivity to the spirit getting me gummy bears in my gift basket I believe in fruit snacks alright it's just me my bad my bad okay I thought I thought I felt a witness here in <laughs> Amen. And tonight I plan on talking to you, preaching to you on this first night of revival. I uh, naturally, if I were to look across this crowd and there's something that I wanted to preach that I believe would be helpful to you, but the Spirit of God went beyond just what I naturally see and he showed me a deep need in the spirit that he wants to meet with this particular word that he wants me to preach to you and I pray it will be a blessing to you give honor to my beautiful wife Louisa and my son James Asher Amen 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32. If you have it, say amen. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God David said moreover the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine and Saul said unto David go and the Lord be with thee catch it now verse 38 and Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with the coat of mail. Verse 39, last scripture. And David girded his sword upon his armor and essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. I want to preach to you on this subject tonight, the armor of Saul, the armor of Saul. Why don't you lay your Bibles down 
Everyone close your eyes and lift up your hands. And let's ask the Lord to do exactly what he wants to do here tonight. God, I feel your spirit. I've plugged in to what you want to do here. Undeterred by anything in the physical. Because I feel a witness in the spirit realm that supersedes the natural eye. Loose the gift of faith in this house. God, loose conviction. Let our hearts be tender to your word and to your spirit. Let the spirit minister beyond anything that I say here tonight. Do what you want to do when you want to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? If you're excited, why don't you clap your hands a little bit louder? Come on, if you're really excited, why don't you clap your hands, all you people, and somebody shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah! Glory to God. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It's very interesting that the people of God were tired of Samuel's leadership and they looked at Samuel's sons and Samuel's sons were not living for God. And so the people, they told Samuel that we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. They were not content with God as their king, but they wanted a physical representation of the king and God's kingdom. And it's interesting, God's response to the people's want for a king. The Bible says that God said, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. Uh, it's interesting to see God's anger with the people wanting a king. God was discontent and angry with the people because they wanted a king. Now, now it's very puzzling to see why God would be disappointed. Because in Genesis 17, 6, God told Abraham, kings shall come out of your loins as a sign of blessing, not as a curse. Genesis 17, 6. He said, this is a part of my blessing to you, Abraham. Kings are going to come out of your loins. Yet he's mad when the people ask, for a king. Genesis 35, 11, again, God tells Jacob, kings shall come out of your loins. Yet he's mad when the people ask for a king. God's problem wasn't a king. The problem was a timing issue. God wanted to initiate the kingdom in his time. But the people out of their impatience, they wanted to initiate the kingdom in the flesh. I'm in trouble already. I'm, I better, I better remind myself this is a midweek Bible study night. I'm about to, I'm about to get excited in this place right now. 
Uh, God wanted to initiate the kingdom uh, when he was ready in the spirit. Uh, but people, because of their impatience, uh, they initiated the kingdom in the flesh uh, before God's timing. Uh, so God said, let me show you the type of king that you're going to have. Uh, I'm going to give you a king that you want. Uh, this king is going to represent the flesh. Uh, Saul is your first king. But David is my first king. Saul represents the flesh. And David represents the spirit. He said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the king that you want, but I'm going to show you a visual representation of where flesh will get you. I'm going to show you through the life of Saul where flesh is going to take you down the road. And I'm going to summarize Saul's kingdom to you and tell you, I'm going to give you that king. But here's the thing. He's going to take from you. He's going to take your daughters. He's going to take your best men. He's going to take your best stuff and he's going to multiply it unto himself. Saul is your first king, but David is my first king. My problem isn't a king. My problem is you wanted it in the flesh, so I'm going to give you what the flesh wants, but the flesh isn't going to work out for you. You wanted it in your human will, but you didn't want my will. So I'm going to show you what happens, the end result of the human will. And what happened in Saul's life is that he went in his own human will. So where the spirit finally withdrew from Saul. You know why? Because God won't anoint flesh. God will lift off of flesh and allow flesh to kill itself to show you that you should have depended on me the whole time. Oh, somebody clap their hands to the Lord. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you your king, but you're not going to like him. As a matter of fact, Saul told Samuel, make them a king, my Lord. A man-made king. But with David, God said, I found a king. I'm in trouble now. God found David, but Samuel made Saul. I'm in trouble because it is the flesh and God won't anoint. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. So the problem was not a king. The problem was a timing issue. God wanted to give them a king out of blessing but because they jumped the gun they wanted their own king so God had to use his life as a, as a representation of the flesh and Saul the spirit withdrew from him and Saul wound up killing himself and so God said God said you know what Saul he's not living right he's not doing good so I'm going to get Go find a, a king that's going to be a representation uh, of my will for the people. Uh, and so uh, God went, sent Samuel to Jesse's house. Uh, and he said, Samuel, I want you to go uh, to Jesse's house. And when you go to Jesse's house, he saw, saw he, he, he was a representation of dead religion. It's really what he was because uh, during the times of Saul, they used the ark uh, as a symbol uh, to try to win battles. They would use the ark, which represented the presence of God. Uh, and they would use the ark, even though they didn't have a relationship with the ark. Uh, they would try to use the symbol of the ark to go and fight the enemy. Uh, and the enemy took the ark. Can I tell you? Because the enemy isn't afraid of symbols. Uh, uh, the, in, the enemy uh, is not afraid of the cross, uh, but he is afraid when you start taking up your cross. Uh, because that's when it becomes more than a symbol. Uh, it becomes substance uh, because it's a part of you. But it Saul was the head of dead religion. Everything was ritualistic. Everything was ceremonial. But there was no power of God. There was no glory of God. Uh, there was no demonstration of the Spirit. Uh, there was no anything supernatural that was happening. It was a dead religion that Saul uh, was the head of. So God said, I got to find somebody that will shock 
the dead religious system. I got to find somebody to draw the people back to relationship instead of the ritualistic means that they're trying to serve me with. I got to show the people I'm going to raise up a vessel that's going to shock the dead religious system to show them that it's more than a hand clap, that it's more than an amen, and it's more than coming to church faithfully, not in their head, but church not changing you. He said, I'm going to raise up a vessel that's going to love me so much that they don't care what anybody else thinks about them, that they not worried or concerned. said i'm gonna i'm gonna raise up somebody and so i gotta raise up somebody to show the people how far they've strayed from their first love i'm gonna raise up somebody to show the people how far they've come from relationship now they're just addicted addicted to the ritualistic terms of church know how to do it right know how to say it right but there is no life-changing power that's working in them to make them walk sanctified holy come on somebody sanctified walking with God in the power of the spirit so he sends Samuel to Jesse's house and Samuel goes to Jesse's house and whenever he goes to Jesse's house watch what happens all all of Jesse's sons except David all the sons go through something called a sanctification ritual. All of David's brothers went through a sanctification ritual to meet the prophet. Interesting to me because David didn't get to be a part of the sanctification ritual. Here here it is now. And all of the brothers went through the ritual of sanctification yet the anointing did not fall on one sanctified person. I'm in trouble now. It didn't fall on one person that did right step one, step two, step three, how to get an anointing. Yet the anointing fell on somebody that was praying in the shepherd's field. The anointing fell on somebody The anointing fell on somebody that wasn't perfect, but you know what? They had a love for God that was deeper than anything that they ever had. And while the brothers were busy doing it right, step one, step two, step three, how to get anointed, God said, I'm looking for somebody that doesn't care about the ritual, but they're hungry for me in the prayer closet. They're hungry for me in a worship. They're hungry for me. Oh, somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. I'm going to get to my point. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been sanctified and the anointing just won't pour on them. The anointing just won't pour on them. Well, don't you have another son? Yeah, but he didn't go through the ritual. I don't care. Go get him. I want him to come because he's touched heaven like none of his brothers have ever touched heaven. And I know they did it just right, but that's the problem. Their hearts weren't right, although they did it right. And David, he made being perfect but his heart uh, is after me uh, and as the heart panteth after the water brook uh, so panteth my soul after thee uh, oh god go get that boy uh, and they went go get him right fresh uh, out of a prayer meeting uh, and they brought him in and this is the one that everybody counted out uh, but his heart was in the right place and god poured the anointing on that person uh, with all of his imperfections you know uh, what was great about david david he had a revelation of acknowledging his weaknesses in the New Testament there was a woman, a Canaanite woman and this woman, she was a Gentile woman and the Bible says that she was disqualified from a miracle because Jesus went first to the Jews then he would come to the Gentiles so this Gentile woman, she has a miracle coming in the future but she's so desperate because her daughter is vexed with the devil she said I don't need a miracle in the future. I'm so hungry. I need a miracle right now. And so she began to go after God. And the first thing that she did was cry 
after Jesus. But the Bible says that he answered her not a word. So crying wasn't enough to get the miracle that she needed. So when crying didn't work, she upped it up a level. And the Bible says that she came and worshipped him. But the Bible says she he answered her worship by saying, it's not meat for me to give children's bread unto the dog. So, so crying wasn't enough. And worship wasn't enough. So she said, I gotta do something that I never done before. He said, it's not meat for me to give children's bread unto the dogs. And look what she said. Truth, Lord. I am a dog. But there is power in acknowledgement. And I confess my weaknesses but at the same time I confess your strength and I confess that I'm not enough but at the same time I acknowledge that you're more than enough because my miracle isn't based on me but my miracle is based on you and you're more than enough Amen. Many of you got the crying down. You got the worship down. But now you got to come to terms with all of your inadequacies and say, here I am, Lord, and all of my disappointments. But you know what? I believe that you are greater than my disappointment. When my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah to God. So there it is. This man begins to walk. I'm going to, I got one point. I'm getting there quickly. Just give me some time. Uh, this man, he walks in this anointing now. David, he's walking in the spirit of God. The spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. The brothers, they got sanctified by the ritual, but David, he got sanctified by the spirit. <laughs> yeah. The ritual sanctified them, but the spirit sanctified him as the spirit came on him from that day forward. For the sole means to shock the dead religious system. And now, as it's supposed to happen after this anointing, there's a giant that rises up. And with this giant, Saul and the people begin to cower. They're afraid. You know why? Because God knows how to deal with flesh. You know how God deals with flesh? He raises up an insurmountable obstacle. And he watched the flesh die. Let's see if your intellect going to get you out of this one. Uh, let's see if your ingenuity, your connections, going to deliver you out of this one. I know how to deal with flesh. I just raise up a big enough obstacle to make your flesh begin to shrink in front of that obstacle. Where I will force you to rely on the spirit. So he raised up such a big obstacle, no one could do anything about it. Yet a man that is endued by the Spirit, a boy that's walking in the Spirit, begins to hear the chants of this giant defying the armies of Israel. And when he defies the armies of Israel, David says, is there not a cause? He goes to Saul. He says, let me, let me kill this giant. He said, I kept my father's sheep. There came out a lion and a bear. And I, I slew the lion and the bear. I've been prepared for this. Catch it now. And when David gives Saul this petition to fight Goliath, look what Saul does. Saul arms David with his armor. Uh, number one, because David, if you win the battle, they just might perhaps think you're me. That's number one. Number two, if you win, I can credit the dead religious system for the victory. Yeah. 
Because I can say I mentored them. I mentored little David. And uh, I, I, I brought him up. I want you to wear my armor so if you win, I can credit the dead religious system for the victory. It's amazing how anytime somebody is on fire for the Lord in church, there's always somebody carnal that comes try to mentor them. Oh, y'all, oh, y'all going to look crazy now. Let me take you under my wing. Number one, because if you win, I can use your fruit as validation for what I do. He says, I want you to wear my armor so I can credit the dead religious system for the victory. And David says, I've not tried these. I've not proved this. All I know is relationships. All I know is walking in the name of the Lord. And the Bible says he put them off of him. He took off the armor of Saul. He goes and he wins the battle. He goes in the name of the Lord, slays Goliath, kills him with his own sword. Years go by. Saul is jealous. David is hiding in caves. Saul finally dies. And finally, David ascends to the throne. Hear me right now. When David goes to the throne, there's such an expansion, such victories happening by the Spirit in his kingdom. Hear me right now. This is my most important point. But there comes a time whenever he falls in sin with Bathsheba and when he falls in sin with Bathsheba the problem was he not only fell in sin with her but he also when 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 uh, he heard that she was pregnant he, he sent her husband Uriah forth into the heat of the battle and Uriah now was killed now David is an adulterer and David is a murderer but it's interesting in the book of 1st Kings 2nd Kings 1st Chronicles 2nd Chronicles not one time does it mention David's sin with Bathsheba it is a rehearsal of the history of the kings yet it does not mention one time David's sin with Bathsheba but it does mention David's sin with Uriah first kings 15 5 it says it this way it says David's heart was perfect Save in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. God's problem wasn't just what David did with Bathsheba. His problem also was what he did with Uriah. He sent Uriah forth into the heat of the battle. Well, where did he learn that from? Saul! 1 Samuel 18, 25. And Saul said, Thus shall ye say to David, The king desireth not any dowry but a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. Look at this. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. David learned to go and put Uriah forth. He learned it from Saul. And when David finally mimicked the religious system that he was supposed to change, God said, I'm done with you. You didn't put on the armor of Saul at the beginning of your ministry. But you did put on the armor of Saul at the end of your ministry. You don't preach to change lives anymore. You just preach for a paycheck. You don't sing to change lives anymore. You just sing to be seen. You don't come to church and worship me for me anymore. You just come to be seen by others. And you finally caved in and put on the... The armor that you were supposed to change. God has raised up this movement. God has raised up this church to shock the dead religious system that is mainstream Christianity where it's a bunch of fluff and cotton candy with no change. But you better be careful that you don't start putting on the armor and you start mimicking everything that they do. Because if we do that, God said, I've got to lift up my hand off of you. And I'm going to find somebody else. My God, bring us back to our first 
love. Bring us back to that first anointing. Bring us back to that first touch and how we started. Oh, come on, somebody clap right now. Come on, somebody clap right now. Hallelujah. David, David, you forgot when nobody knew your name and you were worshiping me in the, in the backfield. But now that you feel like you're successful and you've arrived, you finally put on the armor of Saul. But you were supposed to change the system. Now you can't build me a house. You cannot. Matter of fact, when you numbered the people, David, you got that from Saul because Saul numbered the people first. You still got on the armor of Saul. So now, I can't shake it off of you. I got to reuse somebody else to bring this nation back to their first love. And you forfeited your destiny. Come on, somebody. When you decided that you wanted to be like everybody around you. When I raised you up to be different. I raised you up to be distinct. I raised you up to change the culture. I raised you up to change the world. I raised you up to raise an altar. I raised you up to bring the doctrine. I raise you up to show perfected praise. I raise you up to show what I could do in a vessel that relies on me and me alone for all their needs and desires. You were so hungry for God, but then all of a sudden you've been in church for a while and you know how to do the Pentecostal hand clap. You know how to run around the church and do it. I know those things are all good, but you've learned to do it not out of a heart for God, but it's just what we do. It's just what we do. It's just a Thursday night service. I've not come here to pray through Brother Jackson. This is just another Thursday night service. You better be careful because you finally putting on uh, the armor of Saul uh, but God is trying to bring you back uh, so when you didn't have that good job uh, and when the marriage was a wreck uh, and when the kids were backslid come on somebody uh, God is trying to bring us back uh, when we were hopeless uh, and all we wanted uh, was not more money uh, not more prestige uh, not more position all we wanted was him You know you're putting on the armor of Saul when you can listen to your professor teach for an hour and you are asking questions and you're writing it down and you're all attentive. But you always have those off when you come into church. You come into church, you can't even listen. You're not even plugged in. You're thinking about what you're going to do after service. I'm in trouble now because you finally got so used to the culture. You got so used to how we do church that you finally put on the armor and you got to shake it off tonight you got to get radical and shake it off tonight bring us back when nobody knew who we were bring us back come on now I wish I wish I had a witness in this house right now bring us back to the things of the spirit bring us back I got to talk to you now. I'm trying to move on, but let me tell you something. It started in the spirit. It's going to end in the spirit. Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? We began in the spirit, and it's the spirit that's going to sustain us. If the spirit was sufficient to get you in this thing, it's sufficient to bring you up out of this thing. It is the spirit that quickeneth. It is the spirit of God. Can I tell you, during the times of Jesus, I got to preach now. I got to preach what's in my spirit right now during the times of Jesus hear me every single person in this building right now in the times of Jesus Jesus was not the first person that ever got crucified he was not the first person that ever got crucified crucifixions were common in the days of Rome they would put crucifixions on side both sides of the Roman road of people that rebelled against the system anyone that rebelled against 
against the Roman government. They would crucify them and they put their cross on both sides of the Roman road. And those crosses were not hung up like you see in the pictures. Those crosses were eye level where you can look into the person's eyes and watch them die right in front of you. 300 soldiers on each side of the Roman road when they rebelled against Caesar. And they would show them what happened when you rebelled to show the Jews, Jews, you better not ever rebel or this crucifixion is going to happen to you. They would bring Jews to these crucifixions to make them and force them to watch these people die as the blood poured out of their body as they lost all feeling. They began to watch it to show the Jews, look at this person die. You see that? If you rebel, that's what's going to happen to you. Can you imagine the first time that someone watched a crucifixion, how gory it was? They couldn't bear to watch it. They cried. They wept. They closed their eyes when they heard the blood squirt to the ground. When they heard another nail go in the feet. When they heard the moan, the gasp, giving up the last ghost. They couldn't handle it, kids. Close your eyes. Close your ears. This is too bad and painful. But as time goes on and they see many more crucifixions all of a sudden they can watch a little longer now all of a sudden they fold their arms and they're just entertained now by the cross matter of fact when Jesus died the Bible says when he died on the cross the Bible says and sitting down they watched him there they sat down and watch the crucifixion like it was just another crucifixion. They had become so numb to the power of the crucifixion. There were no tears anymore. There were no tears anymore. They just sat down, folded their arms, wanting to be entertained by the cross. And you and I, we can hear the crucifixion story so many times where we don't shed a tear anymore. We don't cry anymore. We don't care anymore. We just sit down send text messages get on instagram get on facebook get on social media because we have left the love of the cross Uh, bring us back to when i first believed bring me back to when i first came to an altar and I wasn't concerned. I'm preaching now. I wasn't concerned about the systems. I just needed God. I just needed God. I just needed God. Now, now as time goes on and you get in this, you're waiting for the next fancy message. You're waiting to get entertained to be moved. You used to respond in the first song. You come up to the altar and pray through. Now you won't ever respond anymore. It has to hit you just right to get up off your pew and come and pray. We have to play your favorite song for you to lift up your hands. Some of you, you haven't lifted up your hands this whole night. And you can't praise him without lifting up your hands. That is one of the root words for praise in the Hebrew. One of the root words for praise, yada, yad, which means open hand. You can't praise him without lifting your hands. And some of you came in here and you walked in here with an entitled spirit, acting like you don't belong to an anointing, acting like you're God's chosen for the hour, and you have not responded to your first love anymore. But I feel a witness in the Holy Ghost that is wanting to bring us back. So when we first believe, bring us back, bring us back, bring us back. Oh, somebody clap now. I wish somebody would clap right now. Uh, I wish somebody would clap right now. I've come 
in the Holy Ghost to preach the armor off of you. I know this is a great church. I know these are great young people. I know that. But I know when I see armor, and there have been people here that the devil has fitted you for the armor. And I've come to preach every lick of that armor off of your spirit. Everything that you put on this week, everything that you put on in your life, you are wearing 300 pounds of armor right now. And I can see shards go off in the spirit of that armor beginning to come off of you. But many of you still got the coat of mail on because you've been comfortable with it for a long time. And I'm going to preach until that coat of mail comes off of you. I'm going to preach until you believe again. I'm going to preach until you repent again. I'm going to preach until you get it right again. That's what revival is. It's coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to start putting the armor on. I remember back in 2011, I was doing an intense study in my bachelor's of religion. I was doing an intense study with the theological doctrines. I was doing an intense study with the soteriology and the demonology, the angelology, all of those things. I was doing an intense study, the hormology, every, all of that. I was doing such an intense and study in it. I was so in-depth and enthralled in it because I'm naturally educated. My mom raised us in education. I got a sixth with the doctorate in dentistry. I have a natural inclination to education. But let me tell you something in the Holy Ghost. As I was doing that intense study, there came a moment at church where I just was on the altar with the rest of the preachers and the Holy Ghost was taking over the building and people were running around and clapping and dancing and while they were doing that I folded my arms and in my spirit I said it doesn't take all that it doesn't take all that all that clapping all that running all that dancing it doesn't take all that as I folded my arms on the platform and the Holy Ghost immediately spoke to me. He said, Victor, you forgot where I brought you from. And on the platform in front of everybody, in front of 700, 600 people, I got down on my hands and knees right in front of my pastor, right in front of all those preachers. And I began to roll on the floor asking God to forgive me. I said, God, I'll become a fool for you. That's how you get the armor off of you. You got to shake it off of you. You got to get out of your flesh. You got to get out of your seat. You got to do something that you've never done before for. That's how you shake it off. You shake it off by running. You shake it off by shouting. You shake it off by dancing. You shake it off by getting out of your pew and saying, devil, I'm getting this armor off of me. I wish somebody would run now. I wish somebody would shout now. I wish somebody would dance now and shake the armor off of you. said I need some more young people to run I need some more young people to get radical I need some more young people to get out of their seat and do something that you have never done before come on shake the armor off of you shake the armor off of you you've had it on too long shake it off until something breaks in the spirit 
You still got it on you. You better shake it off. You need to shake it off right now. You need to do something you haven't done yet. If you haven't shouted, you need to shout. If you haven't stepped out of your pew, you need to step out of your pew and get radical in the spirit. Come on, somebody, worship him right now. Get the armor off of you. Get the armor off of you. You need to shake it off of you. You've been too stiff tonight. Shake it off and lose that stiffness. Shake it off. you need to stand on your feet right now and you need to grab the person's hand next to you you grab the person's hand next to you and I want you to pray in the spirit I want you to pray that God would shake the armor off come on grab the person's hand next to you right now wherever you are and begin to pray begin to pursue
on. That's it. Lift up your voice. I feel that intercession coming back. I feel that old prayer life coming back. I feel that old worship coming back. I feel you becoming a little child again in the presence of the Lord. Come on. Shake that armor off of you. Shake that armor off of you. Shake it off of you. Come on, that's it. Keep praying. You need to step out of your pew and come to the front right now. Keep praying. You step out of your seat and everybody come to the front right now. And come up here and make a fresh commitment uh, to the Lord. That's it. Step out of your pew. Everybody come to the front right now. From the front to the back. uh, And lift up your hands. uh, And make a fresh commitment to the Lord. uh, That I'm not putting the armor on anymore. That's it. Step out of your seat. uh, And come up to the front. uh, And lift up those hands. uh, And make a fresh commitment to the Lord. uh, That I'm not putting on the armor anymore. uh, I want my fresh touch back. uh, I want my fresh anointing back. I want my fresh presence back. I want my that's it that's it everybody lift up both hands to the Lord right now that's it everybody in this building lift up both hands to the Lord right now something is about to lift off of you that's it lift up those hands something is about to lift off of you in the name of Jesus Christ by the authority that's in the word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ I command the armor to lift off of your people now I loose the gift of faith in this building I loose a fresh demonstration of your spirit now I loose the power of the Holy Ghost now upon your people I curse every spirit of armor and I loose the demonstration of almighty God upon your people Hallelujah. Let's let those tongues go. That's the Holy Ghost on you. That's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, that's it. You need to be praying with somebody. Join with somebody next to you. 
and begin to pray that God would bring them back to their first love. I want everyone to stand on their feet right now. Musicians, you can come. I want everyone to stand on their feet right now. There has been a spirit of repentance that has been trying to creep in that I wanted to make us all aware of. Repentance. Mm. That's what revival is. It's bringing us back. Bringing us back. Some of you didn't know you've gone so far. You can lose that innocence in God's kingdom very, very quick. That's why he said, in order to enter in, you must become as a little child. Have to protect that innocence. Because every day, the enemy is trying to put armor on you to make you conform. And you have to be intentional daily to put it off. We're going to repent tonight. And there's going to be a sweet presence of the Lord that sweeps over. 
And honestly, I feel like it's going to be soothing. He's just going to soothe in a soothing manner, begin to just take it off of you. It's not going to be rough. It's going to be very gentle. You have a destiny. There's an anointing on this church that you have to protect. That the enemy will try to conform you to his system. And the world and the culture will try to conform you and make you miss out on what you were designed to do. And that was to shock the world with your relationship. So we're going to repent together. No matter how old, no matter how young you are, everyone's commanded to repent. This preacher holding this mic is commanded to repent. We're going to repent together. No one ever graduates from repentance. If you feel like you don't need to repent, that armor is stronger on you than you realize. So in a moment, we're going to lift up our hands. We're going to ask God to forgive us of our sins. Repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry I didn't realize I've been that far from you, God. I turn away from my condition. I turn away from my sins. And I turn my heart and my mind and my soul to you afresh. I'm coming back to you, Lord. I'm turning away from the things that I've been doing in the way that I've been. I'm turning to you. I'm turning my heart to you afresh. That is repentance. And God is calling everyone in this building back to that. Ah. When you repent, I want you to open up your mouth. I don't want you to meditate right now. I want you to open up your mouth and ask God to bring you back. Close your eyes and lift up both hands. And let's repent. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for everything that I've done. I didn't know how far I've strayed from you, Lord. Bring me back to that first touch. Forgive me for everything that I've done. I'm coming to you afresh, God. Endue me with a fresh zeal. Give me that fervor back where I didn't make excuses for not changing, but I was just hungry for your touch and I was hungry for your word and I was thankful that you would pull me out of where I was. Forgive me, Jesus. I'm coming back to you. I'm running back to you tonight. I'm running back to you tonight. I'm running back to you tonight. That's it. That's the soothing presence of the Lord. Go ahead. That's it. Speak in tongues. That's the Holy Ghost on you. If you've never spoken in tongues, take, take a step of faith. And let those that's the Holy Ghost on you right now. That's the language of the Spirit. As you're speaking in tongues, it's, the armor's lifting off of you. That's it right there. That's it right there. That's it right there. That's it right not by power, by your spirit, God. I'm coming back. In your spirit, God. I'm coming back. Not by might, not by power, by your spirit, God. In your spirit, God. Not by might, not by power. That's it. Let those tongues go. By your spirit, God. It's lifting off of you. Your spirit. You've had it on for years. You've had it on for months. And I feel you're beginning to put the armor down at the altar. That's it. Lay down that armor. Never pick it up again.
Not by 